Welcome to the Brownstein Hyatt Farber Shrek podcast series. With the number of reauthorization bills outstanding, a potential omnibus appropriations bill on the horizon, and economic stimulus negotiations ongoing, the days and months following November 3rd will be active and consequential. Drew Lippman moderates a conversation with Bill McGrath, Brian Wild, and Nadim Alshami to provide informative analysis on possible policy outcomes during this year's lame duck session. Welcome to another Brownstein podcast. Today we're going to talk about Congress's pending lame duck session, the session with which this Congress will end the year 2020. I'm joined today by my colleagues, Brian Wild, Nadim Elshami, and Bill McGrath. Fellas, we're talking lame duck. Let me start off with this question. Nadim, I'll direct this to you. Back in the day, Congress adjourned one month before election day, and that was it for the year. They didn't return until the new Congress was sworn in the following January. So my first question is, why a lame duck? Is it a symptom of congressional dysfunction, even though we sort of take it for granted now? It is no longer the new normal. This has been happening for a few Congresses now, and it's an opportunity for uh, members and senators to get the work that they could not do during the year. Um, And in more ways than one, it has become a freeing opportunity for Congress to take action on items that they have delayed, whether because they were hard and difficult and complicated or whether because it was political. Uh, So a lame duck affords you an opportunity to get some things done that you were actually too scared to get done before. (laughs) And if you look at last year, last year was a perfect example. They did appropriations, they did tax extenders, and they did countless other bills that were so important, uh, but they finally jammed them in in the last second before everybody went home for the holidays. Thanks for that frank description, Nadim. Bill, let me move on to you. We know that the administration, like any other administration in an election year, is going to try and push out new rules and possibly executive orders as we get closer to the end of the year or at least closer to election day. Is there anything else we can expect them to process on an urgent basis like that? Yeah, Drew, you're absolutely right. The administration will be putting out additional uh, rulemakings. They're trying to finalize some, including the the NEPA regulations. But I think that's less of a priority than in other administrations, largely because I think there there is a worry about the uh, Congressional Review Act and whether some of these coming out at the last minute could be overturned if there is a full control of Congress by the uh, Democratic Party. So I think that's less of a concern. One thing that we've seen a lot of, though, is trying to get out permits for uh, all sorts of different projects, whether they be road transportation, uh, mines, solar, offshore wind is another one. A, a lot of effort is being put in at the end of the term to really try to get permits out the door. But the issue you see is uh, bandwidth. Like any administration, people are leaving to find new jobs and who's left, the people left have limited ability to to get it out. So it's really kind of, you want to stay on that list of what they think they can get done and not drop off. Thanks, Bill. Brian, let me turn to you. What other legislation might be on the lame duck agenda? I, I think we've heard about possibly an energy package. Well, let me make that an open question, Brian. You tell me, what could we expect? 
Well, I, I think there's, there's, there's some must do's and there's some want to do's. Um, we, we have, um, we have to do an appropriations bill, whether that's a, a continuing resolution that just moves the, the date to, to sometime next year, or whether we have an, an, an omnibus approach package, which I think is most people's desire has to move. We have the National Defense Authorization Act, which, which needs to be reauthorized. There's a series of extenders, um, both healthcare and, and, and tax that needs to go through. And then you have a bunch of, of want-to-dos. You know, I, I think that depending on what happens with the stimulus package, I, I do think there's a chance that there's going to be a lame duck stimulus package or COVID part 3.5, whatever number we're on, um, that, that moves. And then you have some retiring senators. And traditionally, there's, there's kind of a gift that goes to retiring senators that, that they get a legacy bill that kind of sneaks through. I, I'm not sure I see that this, this time. Um, there's just not enough bipartisan spirit. But any, you can look at any one of those folks, Lamar Alexander sticks out the most as you know, somebody that could move a higher ed bill or, or something in the healthcare space that, that he's been working on for a while. Brian, thank you. I'm going to keep you on the hot seat for just a second longer. Bill and Nadine, feel free to jump in. It strikes me that looking at the things, the bills that might be disposed of in the lame duck, uh, surface transportation reauthorization, a Water Resources Development Act, the National Defense Authorization Act, you're talking about bills that pass regularly that are among the least partisan bills that Congress considers. There's generally something for everyone in those bills, maybe some old-fashioned log rolling, but, but they're not ideologically controversial. Do you have a sense, this is a follow-up to the question I asked Nadim earlier, do you have a sense of why we need a lame duck to pass those bills? Well, I think, um, you know, appropriations used to not be controversial either, um, and we've come to rely on a lame duck to, to get appropriations done. Some of it is, you know, this is, has been a, a split Congress, um, with the House being controlled by the uh, the Democratic Party and the the Senate, you know, by Republicans. Um, so coming together has not been a suit. I think some of it is the legislative agenda got completely sidetracked by coronavirus this year. Um, you know, it was a, a singular focus really from March on, where we only discussed one issue, which was the coronavirus, its impact on people and the economy. Um, so I just think the can got kicked to the, has to happen in a lame duck. Thanks for that explanation, Brian. Nadine, let me get back to you. Uh, we are expecting an omnibus in the lame duck. Is that right? The current continuing resolution expires in December. Is it possible that that omnibus will include provisions that aren't really appropriations provisions, provisions that would typically be subject to a point of order if anyone wanted to raise a point of order, something major like COVID-19 relief or smaller items. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the, uh, that's the common practice now. And again, I refer to last year, I think for our clients, we were successful uh, in ensuring that uh, some of their priorities were, were included in um uh, in a, in this funding or this omnibus appropriations bill, so uh, I view it this year as 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 still on the table. But it, it's important to know the results of the election. What is going to happen in the election? No one knows at this moment. However, the, the, the common thread of thinking in, in in Congress at the moment is you just want to clean the decks 
whether it is for uh, a new administration or for the current administration, whether there is a change of Congress uh, in the Senate or not. And by, but I mean clearing the decks is you take a look at, you mentioned WERDA, right? Potentially you could do a bill dealing with uh, surprise billing. You could do some COVID provisions. The speaker had uh, both privately and publicly stated that uh, this, uh, the omnibus appropriations bill could include some COVID type provisions and those COVID provisions could help some of our utility clients. It could help actually some of the hospital uh, clients that we represent and others. Um, but we just have to see how the election plays out. But the common thinking uh, from, from what I hear actually on both sides of the aisle is to clear the decks and begin a new next, next Congress. Thanks, Nadim. And I want to follow up on the issue you raised of how the elections play out. We've been talking about the lame duck as if it were merely a continuation of the current session just a few weeks later. But of course, the nature of it is that it comes after the elections. Bill, let me start with you, and, and Brian and Nadim, feel free to jump in. How does the lame duck look different if Democrats flip the Senate? Right now, the Senate is 53 Republicans, 47 Democrats. A bunch of senators who can still vote in the lame duck, same thing in the House, will know that they won't be back in January. And, and that reinforces a point that Nadim made earlier about them being able to deal with more controversial material after the election. That's especially true if you're not coming back. But Bill, what do you think about the way the Senate might look different and how that could affect the agenda? So I think there's there's two aspects to that. The first is, I think if we don't get the Supreme Court nominee confirmed beforehand, I think it probably gets easier afterwards. If Republicans lose the Senate, people like Susan Collins don't really have a reason to vote against a nominee at that point. I would expect someone like that to vote for it. I think if you have full Democratic control, though, I think it's less you'll get less done would be my guess, because if I were of that party, I would wait to have full control and put more priorities forward. Yeah, I, I agree with 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 what Bill just said, and I'll add one one layer to it. I, I think that if if the Democrats sweep uh, in the elections and, and will and look like they're going to take control of the Senate and House and the White House, I think Mitch McConnell shifts quickly into into judge mode even even further and tries to to get as many federal judges on the bench as he can clear going right up until January 3rd or or whatever the end of of session is. And that legislation kind of comes to a halt Um, back when the Republicans took control of the House in in 2010 elections. You know, one of the things that, that at the time Speaker Pelosi did as she was heading into the minority was um, she, she didn't do an omnibus appropriations bill in the year. She, she did a CR to force Republicans to have the appropriations debate in January, February. And it really derailed what should have been their honeymoon. It made them get into the business of, of the drudgery of appropriations early. And, and I could see the Republicans do the same thing to the Democrats. Yeah, right. so I, we have... Go ahead, Nadine. No, no, I, I, I tend to, um, to, to disagree for one reason. And the, the items that were, that I stated generally, some of them are bipartisan, some of them are not. But I think Democrats would want to get them done because their agenda, if 
they take control of the House, the Senate and the White House is pretty extensive and it's been laid out, whether in healthcare uh, or uh, focus on COVID or whether it's a large infrastructure package uh, that's going to require a lot of floor time. Um, and, and, and generally, yes, uh, the, the, you know, there's a hope that Republicans may join them in some of these efforts, but it's unlikely. Uh, I mean, that's the nature of, of, of our political system. Uh, so, so they'll try to get a good deal and try to get, uh, to try again to clear the decks. Uh, you know, again, whether Leader McConnell is going to play ball or not certainly is up to him and to his conference. Uh, but I think Democrats would be more than willing to try to get some of these things done and done quickly uh, in order to start fresh uh, next year. So, um, you know, the best deal that Republicans, I think, would have would be in the lame duck. And, and just to to extend that, Nadim, a little bit, you would assume that an incoming Biden administration would want the decks cleared, as you said. They're not really going to want to deal with the Water Resources Development Act, maybe the Surface Transportation Bill, but they'd want as much of that out of the way. Would they also want a longer-term omnibus, not a continuing resolution? In other words, would they want to see the government funded until the end of the fiscal year, that's the end of September, instead of what Congress has been doing typically in recent years, which is just kicking the can, say, to February, and the process starts all over? Yeah, I mean, I think the chairman of and the subcommittee chairman in the Senate of the Appropriations Committee and subcommittees would want to see their priorities funded. And and if you do a CR, uh, these particular priorities will be very difficult to get in a CR. So uh, there's a way that the appropriations chairman uh, and subcommittee chairman are able to ensure that their uh, pet projects, let's just say back home, even though we don't have earmarks anymore, are well taken care of. But I think in the CR, you will see that uh, that's not going to happen. And in all likelihood, it's not going to happen if you have um, uh, a CR. So, um, so again, I, I'm not ready to discount it. I think it's still there. And if, if there is a, a, a new administration, maybe there'll be a, a deep breath and a sigh of relief to kind of get back to the way things used to be. Bill, Brian, any comments on, on Nadine's authoritative description of what's going to happen? I'll just say what's always or often forgotten in a lame duck is simultaneous to legislating is orientating. So we are, regardless of, of who takes control of the House and Senate next cycle, there are a whole bunch of new members of Congress that will be coming, I assume, into town, if not coming into town virtually. We're going to have policy orientations, party orientations, uh, administrative orientations. They're going to be hiring staff. Staff are looking, staff of retiring members and losing members are looking for jobs. And all of that usually slows lame ducks down and makes them far less ambitious than people think they're going to be. There's just not enough people spending time legislating to actually make stuff work. You also have COVID sitting out there that could spike in the fall and winter, which is another reason that the people may, members may not even want to be here. And so is that make it even harder to get things done? One last thing I'd, I'd like to ask about, it's not exactly a lame duck issue, but it has already come up in this conversation. Senator Lamar Alexander, Republican from Tennessee, chairman of the Health, Education, Labor and Pensions Committee is retiring. Alexander, my own view as a Democrat is he's one of the most popular 
members of the Senate, just a genuinely well-liked guy on both sides. I'm wondering if you think it's a coincidence that Alexander came here uh, from a governorship. Governors, of course, have to work with both parties in almost every state, even if a state's very red or very blue, that's the way they operate. And I wonder if you think that there's a loss, even if you're replacing Alexander, you know, you're replacing a Republican with a Republican, and I'm certainly not criticizing whoever's going to replace Alexander, but would the Senate function better if we had more governors? Will it function a little bit worse if governors leave, former governors? I, I think losing Alexander is a, is a big deal. Um, not only is, is he a have great relationships on both sides of the aisle, but but Mitch McConnell really leans on him as well. And I, I think he is a senior statesman. Traditionally, governors actually have a hard time becoming senators. Um, they, they, they were executives in their state. Their, their whole job was to get things done and to solve problems. And you can see uh, almost immediate frustration by every governor that becomes a senator with exactly how slow and cumbersome um, and partisan the Senate is. So, yeah, I, I would love more governors in here. Um, I, I think you're watching the Senate get houseified a little bit um, across the board with more partisanship and, and divide within the conferences, you know, with, with not all Republicans singing to the same tune and not all Democrats singing the same tune. So um, I think it's a loss. I'm not sure if it's a direct relationship to be the governor, but, but it'll be a loss. I think it is more what's happening in the House and the people moving to their base camps and kind of, as you see, the, the Mike Lees, the Ted Cruz has come in to replace longtime senators. I think that that's what's happened in the House a lot already, and you're seeing it happen in the Senate. And until some sort of fever breaks, uh, it's what's going to continue. Well, on that grim note, fellas, I want to thank you for participating in today's podcast on the upcoming Congressional Lame Duck session. This has been another Brownstein podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Brownstein High at Farber Shrek podcast series. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Visit bhfs.com for more information.